Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great May long weekend. I'm sure you're listening to this after the weekend, but hopefully you're able to enjoy the nice weather and just get out and do something fun. Normally, I release the podcast episodes a little bit later on in the week, but with the upcoming 3D Pro Show this Thursday at the Osborne South Legion. I wanted to make sure that this episode got out in time so you could learn a little bit more about one of the headliners. Now, headlining the card at 3D Pro is a Winnipeg bull rope match between Robbie Royce and my guest this week, Stefan Epic. Now, Stefan has been around for uh, quite a while. He, he debuted in the uh, mid-2000s, and he was a mainstay on the Winnipeg scene for many years. He took some time off and recently got back into, uh, made his re-debut at the Time Bomb Pro Show back in April. So, uh, Stefan joins me, and, you know, he, we talk about the Winnipeg wrestling scene, getting into it, some of those legendary PCW cards out at the uh, the lid or the stratosphere depending when it was what it was called we talked about that we talk about uh, basically anytime a promotion was in Winnipeg they were reaching out to get Stefan on their shows it shows just what a talented performer Stefan is so they were going to grab him so Stefan shares stories of you know AWE um, WFX CWE tagging with Danny Duggan and uh, Kevy Chevy so we talk all about that. Stay tuned afterwards because I have, you know, a little bit of, uh, let's say a little bit of a scoop on one of the matches that's going to be happening at the 3D Pro Show. So stay tuned afterwards to find out just what is going to be happening. So uh, without further ado on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, Stefan Epic. Now, my introduction to independent wrestling was about 2016. So you had sort of tailed off by then, but you made your return to the scene about a month ago for Time Bomb Pro. Um, Let's talk a little bit about getting back into wrestling and just wrestling for Time Bomb against Shane Black. Um, So what was the first part of that one? Like getting Uh, back into it? Just getting back into it? Just getting back into it. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. So getting back into it... um, the last few years I've been totally disconnected from wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have a couple of friends that I talk to maybe like one or two on a regular basis, but um, I have been completely disconnected. I like stopped watching entirely. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'd read the, I'd read the news boards every day. I'd read uh, what was going on, but I wasn't actually watching any of it. And then I started watching AEW and that kind of sparked my interest again, because, you know, watching dynamite is, so refreshing mm-hmm. in the past few years than watching raw or smackdown or a, or a pay-per-view from wwe so um it kind of sparked my interests and then i started watching like old lucha from the 90s like i was i'm a really big lucha guy i love watching lucha and mm-hmm. it was you know it was something that i wanted to do during my careers to wrestle in mexico it hasn't happened yet but um i started watching old lucha and it kind of further sparked my interest and then uh, 3d pro wrestling which is coming up in just a few days from now mm-hmm. as we're recording this it 
approach me and, you know, ask me for ideas on how to do certain things about the show or towards the show. And then I was like, you know what, man, it's like, I'll do something for you. Like, I'll, I'll wrestle if you want me to. So we kind of just connected like that because me and Shane, who runs 3D, um, kind of been like acquaintances, kind of friends for a little bit. And then, you know, he felt trustworthy enough of my opinion to, to ask me how to how to do some certain things. So that's kind of how it started. And then the time bomb um, match would happen in April, at the end of April, I believe. Yeah, end of April. Yeah, end of April. So um, I actually met Eric, who runs Time Bomb Pro Wrestling, before Time Bomb even existed. I wrestled down in, in Grand Forks, and he was at the show, and uh, I had known him from, like, Twitter. I had just saw this, like, knowledgeable wrestling fan on Twitter from Grand Forks. And I was like, I don't know too many people in Grand Forks that know wrestling. So, you know, we connected and then uh, I met him at a fully loaded wrestling show and in Grand Forks and, um, you know, kind of kept in touch a little bit. And then as he heard of my return at 3D, he asked if I would be interested in taking part in uh, Time Bomb. So it was my first, it was my first singles match in over seven years mm-hmm. so it was uh it, it was i'll just say sore is the word that i used <laughs> <laughs> the the following day because uh, i i was actually with my kids on we were going on vacation to the mall of america mm-hmm. and it was the night before we were going to leave anyway so you know we made it happen and then the next day as we get to the mall of america i can barely move and like, <laughs> oh i shouldn't have done that and had to walk all day but it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. I had fun. I got to meet the Sandman. I met the Sandman before, but mm-hmm. he was there and I got to say hi. And it was very interesting. It was a very interesting return. You know, I mean, even the crowd reaction for yourself, because I mean, it's, you know, your first time in Fargo wrestling, but uh, it helped having someone as hated as Shane Black as your opponent, but the crowd definitely got behind you, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that definitely helped out with, you know, your return to the ring. Yeah, that's all you can ask for, really, is, like, you hear people talk about, like, the psychology of wrestling, and Tully Blanchard says, like, the psychology of wrestling is simply who can make them the loudest for the longest. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing that I cared about was getting a reaction and they stayed with us the whole match. The crowd was there. And then at the end, after Shane Black left, I got like the, the uh, ovation after the match. So mm-hmm. you can't really ask for anything more than that. No, it was definitely a welcome return for yourself, but I know your introduction introduction in introduction to wrestling there was through, was <laughs> it was through your grandfather, correct? Yes. I mean, I think that speaks for most of us. We're sort of the same age where like our grandparents were so fully into wrestling that it kind of just bled right through to us. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all like AWA. I don't know if your grandparents were like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my, my, grand, my grandpa was. My uh, my grandparents actually, they would take my mom to AWA shows in town and like she they'd be at the corner store and see like Nick Bockwinkle strolling by and stuff like that. So like to yeah. have that, you know, um, like, let's talk a little bit about just your introduction to it. Sure. So yeah, like I mentioned, it's through my grandpa. Uh, it was all AWA stuff. My, my uncle was actually my great uncle, I should say, uh, was a cab driver in the seventies. And he has a lot of stories of, like driving on blackjack lands on Bobby Heenan and Jesse Ventura. So it's, I think it's, 
for a certain generation, the AWA is kind of just embedded into their lives just because it was happening while they were alive. So a lot of them can bring up like uh, Jim Brunzel and Greg Gagne and names like that without even like having really watched. Mm-hmm. So my grandpa would go to the matches and he was always so proud of the time that he went to uh, the Bachwinkle Martell uh, AWA title match at the arena. And uh, it was, I think it was after Martell's first reign, something like that, but he won the match and they did like kind of a dusty finish where it was like he won, but he didn't win the belt and the fans were disappointed, but it was such a great match and they wanted Martell to win. That's a story he would always tell me about going to to the Winnipeg Arena to see that. And then, like I mentioned, um, my grandpa would take me to the matches. They were WWF by then in the 90s, obviously. But um, actually getting into the business, I had been a fan up until uh, up until the prime age of 13. <laughs> when <laughs> I the first time I got into a ring, I was 13 years old. It was 2001. So um when I, I got into the CWF wrestling school ring, because mm-hmm. you, you had mentioned to me before that you were, you'd gone to CWF shows. Yeah. Yeah. So it was their wrestling school. It was down in Jarvis in the, okay. in the North end at, at, at Ernie Dodd's trucking business, actually in the back garage. <laughs> so he owned a trucking company and um, it, the wrestling school was in the back and I was 13 and Robbie Royce was there. Mm-hmm. and uh, did the training for the day. And I was the only person that showed up for this quote unquote open house for, for the wrestling school to see if people wanted to actually become wrestlers. They put, gave us like three hours in the ring and one other guy showed up and then I don't know what happened. He left or whatever, but then uh, I ended up being the only person there. So I took three hours of bumps at like 13 years old. The next day I, I literally could not roll over in my bed <laughs> It was insane. No kidding. I mean, what 13 year old, you know, trains, not even just trains, but like can do something like that for three hours and then still be like functioning afterwards, because that's got to be a lot. It was so bad. Like if, I don't know if you've ever landed in a ring or gone into a ring to just to try it. I have not. I got chopped for the first time this past November. And like, I had a huge red welt on my chest and my, fiance was just like what happened to you and i was like i got chopped and she's like no i'm like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta do it once exactly and that was yeah, what you it gotta was. do it once um so yeah like when you get into a wrestling ring it's the, the the frame is metal there's thin plywood and then there's like sometimes if it's generous maybe like a gym mat mm-hmm. the ring in the ring ernie todd had used carpet underlay Okay. So like the stuff underneath carpets, like spongy stuff. Yeah. And it had, it was like maybe an inch, but when you would step on it, it was like paper thin. There was nothing to it. Mm-hmm. So the, the ring was not very forgiving at all. And you know, for a 13 year old child, like I have an 11 year old son. And the, the idea of him getting in a wrestling ring in two years is completely, absolutely out of the question. It, you know, it's kind of funny though, because I remember like, being young and like just like reckless you know like jumping off the roof of the house and just having like not no care in the world you know so like you know doing bumps for three hours like okay but like to think about it now i'm like there's no way i'd ever jump off the house like i'll break my leg you know so but at that age you're so like into it that you're like yeah i'm gonna do this yeah side story i bought a pair of rollerblades today and i've never been so scared in my life (laughs) did you buy the wrist guards too 
No, I didn't. But people like I put it on my Instagram story, and people were telling me like, buy shin pads, buy yeah. elbow pads. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the age of thirty-four years old, I'm like scared for my safety on rollerblades. <laughs> you know, and I'm in two weeks. I'm about to wrestle in a bull rope match. <laughs> like, how did the that not scare you off when you're thirteen and like three hours of bumps? Because I mean, you made your debut a few years later. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was 15 when I started working shows, but mm-hmm. um, like when you're 13, you bounce back like a rubber ball. I was sore the next day, and then the day after, I was fine. And I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a huge pro wrestling star." And I was in fucking grade eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how the dreams start, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, that was a long time ago. It's like I was thinking about it 21 years ago mm-hmm. this year. So like, that's that's longer than the time that I was alive between, you know, being born and getting in a ring the first time it's been 21 years since then. Mm-hmm. And like, looking back, it, it didn't scare me off, but it definitely got me ready mentally for what wrestling is like physically, mm-hmm. because I had no idea it was that physical. Well, so that was your first, you know, experience in the ring and but you were trained by johnny divine correct yes yeah like how did that come to be because in the early 2000s like it's not like how it is now where there's schools in every backyard where you can go to the school then go to the promotion so for that it's got to be a little different back then yeah so i was trained by johnny divine on two separate parts of like a timeline so in 2002 I trained with Johnny Devine because he's he went to school here. He wasn't born here, but he was raised in Manitoba, in Thompson and in Winnipeg. Okay. So he's a Manitoba guy, like, you know, just growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would come back and visit his mom. His mom, you know, still lives here. And I think his siblings still live here. But um, he would come back and, you know, spend a week here. And one of those times he... Uh, put up a similar thing, like an open house, like a come on down and try it. And if you like it um, this time, instead of the CWF wrestling school, it was actually the heart dungeon. If we, if, you know, if he thought that you were good enough, he would talk to Bruce and get you in at the dungeon. Mm -hmm. So the idea was that the best person out of the two day, two day camp would, (laughs) was uh, going to get into the heart dungeon. And I started, I got my start in the business saying I was trained by Johnny Devine, mm-hmm. which I, I was for two days. And that was my wrestling training. Mm-hmm. Like I learned how to do a suplex and like a slam and how to do like all the all four basic bumps, like the back bump, flip bump, a handstand bump and like a front bump. Mm-hmm. So there's like four particular bumps that you take. Um, but yeah, that's basically all I learned. And then I said I was trained by Johnny Devine to a local promoter and he put me on the show and very quickly realized that I had zero training. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. So uh, I didn't get as bo- booked as much as I liked. But then uh, a company named AWE started up in like 2005 and they had like millions of dollars behind them. So um, they opened up a wrestling school and offered Johnny Devine the job to come and train people here because mm-hmm. you know family here his mom's yep. here so they he moved back this was during uh in between his tna run because he was in tna from like 03 to like 07 08 09 maybe um but he was injured and he came back and he was waiting for a surgery because he came back to canada to get the surgery 
Um, and while he was waiting, he was training people and he trained me and then uh, eventually got to a part where like he sat me down. We were alone in the school and he mm-hmm. sat me down. He's like, he's like, I know what happened in the past. Like you told people I trained you, but now, uh, you know, you've been around long enough. Now you can tell people that I trained you. Mm-hmm. So he kind of gave me the stamp of approval after it, that was like 2005. You know, it's funny because you managed to bang off like three of the talking points I had for this all in <laughs> one story. Because I was going to be like, how do you get booked in 2003 when you're 15 years old? You know, so that definitely yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So I lied to, to get in. Um, but the way I actually got in was uh, my uncle uh, ran Norquay Community Center and okay. they would have wrestling there every other Saturday. So it was like a bi-weekly thing. And they would pack that place because the community like around in Point Douglas, not much going on there on a Saturday night. So mm-hmm. they would be like people would bring their kids and the place would be packed every mm-hmm. other Saturday. Like 200 people in this tiny little gym, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't 200 people, but um, a sizable amount. And like I got my uncle to introduce me to the promoter and then that's how I you know, and then like started working and I was, mm-hmm. when I was 15. Well, I mean, like to me, like, cause I know one of the first independent shows I ever went to was back at seven Oaks community center. I want to say, because I think it was when um, they were doing like the no holds barred promotion and yeah. like, you know, uh, yeah. Don Callis and Joe Ella were running it and they would bring in, you know, ECW guys do autograph signings at picture frames and more, and then do a show later, you know? Yeah. So I vividly remember that show, but like it was a few and far between my early year experiences with independent wrestling in Winnipeg. So Mm -hmm. Um, you had started off as Don Douglas, correct? Yeah. Was there any significance behind using that name? Well, the last name I, I was kind of like given slash picked my name. So it was like half picked, half not um, in like I in real life. I'm kind of like a like a fucking jerk off. So I would like fuck around with people in high school. And when I would meet new people in high school, I would make up a name, like a different name every time. Mm-hmm. So people will be calling me these, like somebody would call me fucking Simon or something. <laughs> we walk around the school, people be yelling for Simon. And one of the times I said, my name was Doug mm-hmm. and the name Doug stuck. Like the whole class called me Doug Yeah, for a while, like an entire school year. I was Doug. <laughs> I don't know why. Again, like I'm a fucking dink in real life. Yeah. Anyways, that name stuck. And that would have been grade 10 because that was the year that I started. So like I picked the name Douglas because I was being called Doug in school. (laughs) And then Donnie, I think was just given to me by somebody. So, um, I mean, you're 15 years old, you're still in high school, but you're wrestling on these independent shows in Winnipeg. Yeah. Like you do not hear about that at all nowadays. Like you maybe like in Mexico, you might hear about that because I mean, talking to ex devil a few weeks ago, he's like, yeah, I was 14 when I started da 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 da, And it's like 14. I wouldn't trust our 15 year olds, you know, with anything. So, but for that, like 15 years old in a wrestling ring, you're, you have another person's, you know, trust wrestling them at that age. Yeah. 
and like, the, and I'm getting paid to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Somebody gives me an envelope at the end of that 15 years old. That's like a million dollars. But yeah, like taking the idea of putting essentially an, like an adult man's life in my 15 year old's hands is kind of strange to think about it now mm-hmm. as like a, somebody with a preteen, you know what I mean? It's like, who the fuck who came <laughs> You, I mean, throughout your career, you had been, you know, a singles wrestler, a tag team wrestler. Did you ever have any preference to what you were doing? I always like tag team wrestling better. There's, when you have a singles match, a singles match can be very special, very great, because you can only focus on like one personality each. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But in a tag team match, it's kind of like watered down. You're kind of, you kind of all have the spotlight instead of just like one and one. You know what I mean? So, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing that way mm-hmm. and like it for people's egos it's like oh i don't want to be that i want to be in a singles match i want to be the champion which is obviously should be the goal but um the 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 analogy that i use is like a tag team match is like painting with more colors mm-hmm. so you can have a, a more intricate match a more intricate story um i'm not saying that like you can't do that in a singles match but you know just if we're doing basic match versus basic match, it's like painting with more colors, yeah. essentially. So that's why I always like tag team wrestling more. You could always do more. You could always, and then you could take <laughs> take a break because fuck <laughs> wrestling for forty minutes, right? <laughs> Who wants to work on their cardio for something like that? Yeah, exactly. Who wants to go to the gym to wrestle once a week? <laughs> so I mean, like throughout your career, I mean, you had been a mainstay through if a promotion was in Winnipeg, you were pretty much wrestling for them. You know, I mean, RCW, PCW, CWE, you were a part of some of those PCW shows, like in the early two thousands at the lid where, you know, they were bringing like for what is it, what it is. I mean, at the time they were bringing in some of the top independent wrestlers into Winnipeg for these shows. And it's like to look back and think like, Oh, Samoa Joe was in town. Or, I mean, you faced off with PD Williams, I think. So yeah, like, yeah. they were really ahead of the curve with that. Yeah, there were. I think that had a lot to do with um, Kenny, um, Mentolo, like guys like Mike Angels, because those guys were very smart to like what was happening right now. They didn't need to bring in a guy who was fresh off WWE TV. Amazing Red came in one time mm-hmm. and like blew the fucking roof off the place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they were always... Uh, ahead yeah like bringing in the the different guys than just the wwe ex wwe guys that are just looking for a payday you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there was dudes that, that came to work and those shows like i from like 2005 till 2008 if like if i'm looking back those are the shows are the ones i think of most like the, mo- the ones i reminisce about the most because it was such a special time it was such a special group of wrestlers because every single one of them was very good mm-hmm. like the the mainstays you had like mike angels and ross skills and chad tatum uh kenny uh, chris stevens antonio scorpio jr mentolo like these incredible wrestlers and then you had the guys like me and chevy and danny duggan aj sanchez which were like the the group that came in after after like Kenny and and Angels and those guys but just those two I guess generations of wrestlers 
Mm-hmm. We're putting on some special shit, like some mm-hmm. real good shit. Mm-hmm. I looked at, I was looking at the results the other day of a show that we did. Uh, I wrestled Danny in the opener of uh, the only Kenny Omega AJ Styles match in history. Mm-hmm. And it like to be, to say that is crazy. And I watched the match, um, the Kenny AJ match, like just, um, just behind the people like behind the bar there was a bar inside the lid and i was sitting behind the bar just watching it like 20 feet away mm-hmm. to like watch a masterpiece like that i still remember it i still remember like parts of the match i still remember the finish i still remember the reaction to the finish it, it was like a really really unique time because mm-hmm. there was a group of like really great wrestlers instead of times in the 90s where it was you know wwf in the 90s yeah essentially yeah, like I mean, you look back and like at that point, two thousand six ish, seven. I like, I was like how you were a few years ago. Like I would read the results, you know, of the TV and stuff. But like for the most part, I had checked out of wrestling. You know, I paid attention, but I wasn't watching weekly. So like for local shows, to me, it was just like, uh, you know, I wasn't inve- involved at all. And I completely regret that now because I missed the opportunity on seeing so many incredibly talented wrestlers come to Winnipeg. I'm fortunate now that like you know, going to the shows, seeing, and like, you know, you mentioned Antonio Scorpio Jr., like watching him wrestle now, it's just like, to me, he's one of my favorite wrestlers to watch in the ring. You know, he's so incredibly talented in there. Yeah, and he's so incredibly strong, too. (laughs) A guy who's wrestled him a number of times. He's very, very uh, hard hitting. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say he's like a quote unquote stiff wrestler, but he's like one of the dudes that lays it in and he's Mm -hmm. a super talented dude. Well, I mean, you had wrestled the PCW shows, you had mentioned AWE, and I vaguely remember getting tickets to go to one of those AWE shows at the investors group. I yeah. think I think that's what it was. But I mean, you had mentioned, Joe, them putting the money into the promotion, the training and stuff. What was the overall vibe like for that? Because I mean, it's almost forgotten about in Winnipeg wrestling because of yeah. you know, the time that it came through. But like AWE wfx what was that like so awe i um i all like we all the the group of us that came in together like me danny aj chef we always felt like something was wrong like we were doing something wrong because as we know now the guy who was backing it went to jail for in you know a bunch of insurance stuff Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like insurance fraud or something like that, but he, he took a bunch of money, he stole a bunch of money, like millions of dollars out of people's personal lives. And we always had that feeling like eh, something's not right. And then when a big influx of money came, everybody was put under contracts at one point. We were given like monthly deals. So we were given we were supposed to get one show a week. And if we didn't get one show, we would still get paid for it. Mm -hmm. So it was like 200 bucks a month, 50 bucks a night in 2005 to, you know, sign our quote unquote contracts. Yeah. And then they started hiring like office people and they started hiring. The people were quitting their jobs to take jobs with AWE. And then, yeah. And then when AWE fell apart, which was real quick, Mm -hmm. um, the whole thing like ruined people's lives because they had quit their jobs. And then this company just falls apart and goes bankrupt and they're left alone with like their, you know, junk in the wind. Mm -hmm. So 
there was like there was one dude i'm not gonna say his name because i don't want to blow him up or anything but yeah. uh who who like what do they call it? like for like foreclosed on your mortgage like mm-hmm. they took his house Oh wow! So his whole life is getting upside thrown upside down because of this. yeah, they took his house because he's out of a job. He's obviously not like, not trying to you know scam anybody. He's trying to get a job with this mm-hmm. quote unquote new wrestling company, and they like foreclosed on his house because mm-hmm. he went he went bankrupt. That's terrible. Cause, yeah, because like when there was people like putting like putting money their own money into it. Or doing the work and waiting to get paid for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was an ugly, ugly scene. No kidding. Like but I, they brought in they they brought in so many big name guys. Like they brought in the Steiner brothers and uh-huh. X Luger and uh, Buff Bagwell and Rikishi a bunch of times. Um, and those dudes were always kind of dicks, to be honest. <laughs> the, the only one that I thought was cool. Out of the whole group of people that we met through AW was Scott Steiner. Yeah. Oddly enough. Because he always has a reputation of being like nuts. But he was very polite to me. I took him to the gym. I like we walked through the Max Bell Center and we watched hockey for a few minutes. He was just a down-to-earth guy, but mm-hmm. he's always had the reputation of being kind of a dick. Yeah, you you hear stories and you know whatnot, and I mean that's what it is. It's just stories, so who knows? But like that was the overall vibe. Is like you know that he wasn't maybe the nicest or like he you know mm. a bit of a, a personality to him. So you hear something yeah. like that, and it's kind of like oh okay, you know it's a nice, it's a refreshing change. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very nice to have a positive interaction with somebody like I really looked up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole AWA thing was nuts man and then when wfx came around which was a few years later and jeff had stole more money um they kind of did the same thing they opened up an office and they um actually owned cwe for a while okay that's a crazy story that you'd have to ask danny about if you ever talked to him um Uh, i'm going to put that on my notes to if i get the chance to talk to him to ask him yeah yeah ask him about how wfx and cwe were like one company for a while Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was this oh yeah WFX came around and then they kind of started doing the same thing with like opening an office in having like the WFX arena which was like an old TV studio they just like packed it with chairs put a ring up and that's how it was like permanently mm-hmm. like nothing else was there because they owned the building okay yeah it was pretty nuts and then uh, again fell apart whatever scams the guy was pulling weren't paying off and then it fell apart and then he ended up going to jail mm-hmm. he got like he's guilty and gone to jail yeah because i like you know it was one that you would hear about like you know the news would even promote it that they're doing the shows and stuff like that i think there's even like news stories up on youtube about it because i was looking the other day i think there is but i i'm not positive so yeah but yeah. i mean it was out there so it was you know people were familiar with what was going on yeah yeah and like i was on the crew for those and when those big pay-per-view and tv tapings would happen um i was always kind of putting like the jabroni spot which i never had a problem with i was making the same money anyway Mm -hmm. but um but like he would job out the local crew when we were the ones that were doing all the small shows in between 
It's like everybody would go to the big shows and then when they would come to the small show and it was like, oh, that's the dude that lost in eight seconds against the axe. Yeah. And like I'm putting on a competitive match with the guy. You know what I mean? It made us look like idiots. Yeah. They're like, well, is that guy just not that good or is the guy he lost to that much better? You know? Yeah, exactly. Like you made us look like idiots. Yeah. Give your own guys shine. Like because you can do that even in a losing situation. You don't have to job the guy out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I think even like Scott Hall was good for that, where he would be able to make someone look good, you know, while losing, but still be over throughout everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I was was hoping that would be the case, but (laughs) no, we were just the jobbers and would go work the fucking local show, so... You you had mentioned, you know, Danny and Chevy, and you teamed with both of them, you know, uh, yeah. Shock and All yeah. with Danny and the fabulous Creebirds with uh, Kevy Chevy. And yeah. I, I mean, I absolutely love the name Fabulous Creebirds. I think it's fantastic and a nice, <laughs> like, spinoff of the Freebirds, you know, because yeah, like, yeah. I remember it, that. So. It, was, it wasn't our idea. It was uh, uh, Chi Chi Cruz okay. who, who came up with it in, in, like, a road trip to Edmonton. I wasn't there for it. But it came back and like people were talking about it and how it should be our tag team name. So me and Chevy came out with like with that name. It was like 2006 or seven or something. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we heard that we had like serious nuclear heat in Edmonton because the promoter who was on the in the car with Cheech when he came up with that said that, that it was his idea and he was going to use it for someone there. And we were never allowed to be booked in Edmonton ever again. It was a big thing. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I don't know why stupid things like that happened, but well, it did. You know, guys got to get themselves over when, you know, the, the management got to get themselves over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, but yeah. I guess I do know why. Yeah. Uh, you and uh, Kevy Chevy, I mean, you guys had some like incredible matches as a tag team together. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, it's notable. I mean, you two faced off against the Briscoes, and you see where, you know, even back then what they were doing with Ring of Honor and stuff. And I mean, they're still going strong to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I have the only video copy of that uh, match. I still have it. It's sitting like actually right in the closet behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I want to get it on YouTube eventually. Yeah. But I don't know how to do it. So if anybody's listening and knows how to do it, find me on Instagram. Um which we'll we, plug after. We will talk after this is done recording okay. cuz I might be able to help you out. Okay, there you go. Blair's going to help me out. <laughs> um but yeah, we were we had matches against um yeah, the Briscoes and then we we had a match with Mentolo and Danny Duggan that was really really good. We also had one with uh, Assisted Suicide, who was Ross Gills and Chad Tatum. Mm-hmm. Um, man, we tore the house down with that one. There was uh, It was one of those big shows at the Lid where I think they brought in maybe Samoa Joe or something. But that match we had, I think, was the best match of the night. The, like going back to those shows at the Lid, do you remember what like the crowd reaction was like? Like, was it, you know, packed house? What was the overall vibe heading into those? Um, so the weekly shows would do like 40, 50 people, nothing crazy, but the big shows like the, the, um, I think they're maybe monthly at that time or, or every other month, but, um, those would be packed. Mm -hmm. It would be like 450, 500 people inside the lid. 
it was like nuts. It wasn't mm-hmm. like you couldn't like I remember having part of our entrance that me and Danny would do um, would we would walk out and like go around the ring and then walk to the bar and get a drink and then mm-hmm. stand in the ring and drinking drink it. And during those packed lid shows where it was like monthly or bi-monthly, whatever it was, like we would it would take us a minute to get to the to the bar to get our drink and then another minute to get back. So our entrance was like super long on those shows. But um the regular environment there was like you could always tell it was a smart crowd. Like they were really they knew what was going on in wrestling. The, the the word that Danny used one time was a Philadelphia crowd. That's what it was like. Okay. Like I on think, a weekly basis. I think I know the kind of vibe, like when you say that, what it's like. Yeah. Like a ring of honor crowd. Would be. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, that was like the vibe in there. Mm-hmm. And then when it would be packed at those big shows, it would be like, it would feel like a big show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you started off as Don Douglas. Um, What made you decide to change to Stefan Epic? Um, That's a funny story. So, (laughs) well, when I went to Japan in 2011, my Facebook name, like, I don't like to put my last name on thing. Well, I didn't at the time. I didn't like to put my last name on things because I was a wrestler and I didn't want people to know my real name. So I just put Stefan and then Epic on my Facebook name. And then when I went to Japan, I just thought they were going to call me the Epic Don Douglas or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was dealing with them through Facebook. And then when I got there, they just called me Stefan Epic. And I was like, oh, okay. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, it's kind of cool. I got to use a different name in Japan or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um and then that was the last match that i had for like i don't know like three years or something Mm -hmm. and then when i came back i just used it i just because that was the last thing that i used i mean it's a solid name i i'm a fan of it i like it oh well thanks yeah Yeah, it was because you know i was i was calling myself the epic don douglas Mm -hmm. and i would just yeah that would just happen to be a fluke you had started, you know, 2002, you went uh-huh. up until, you know, 2015. So you were able to see like quite the shift in the independent landscape over that time was like, for the most part, do you notice more of a change for the better since then? Or what are your thoughts on it? Um, so like the group that I'm talking about, like me, Chevy, Danny, AJ, um, we were like the last group of like young independent guys to get in before YouTube. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have the opportunity to watch so much wrestling, obviously, but um, we, we could still trade tapes and we would go to like Jabroni's hardcore wrestling store and buy the ring of honor tapes, like super early ring of honor, like the first like four or five shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, Joe would charge 40 bucks for a ring of honor tape. Mm-hmm. And um, we were like the last generation to come in before that influx of like unlimited access to wrestling. <clears throat> so the stuff that we were doing, you know, right around that time was like pretty innovative because mm-hmm. we would like the, the names I mentioned before, like Mentalo and Mike Angels and Kenny and those guys would all watch Japanese wrestling and we would watch Japanese wrestling and 
it was just, I guess, the last bastion of of the you know tape trading era, and now it's YouTube and it's you know on demand, and every wrestling promotion has their shows online within like forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think it's it's been a good thing, but it's also kind of taken whatever mystique was left of the business when I got in. Cause I came when there was still veterans from like the eighties still mm-hmm. kicking around, you know, mm-hmm. but now that it's 20 years later, I like I'm the old dude. Yeah. You really don't see like the, you know, another level to that of like older guys who still are there doing it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Pardon me. Whereas, you know, back in like 2002, you'd still see like a lot of the older generation still doing the shows, getting a payday and going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. There was like guys like Rick Patterson coming around then. There was Carrie Brown, who mm-hmm. like, I worked with a bunch of times on like a bunch of shows and the coolest dude and Chi-Chi Cruz, Don Callis would still come around and hang out on like backstage at the show. So there was that group of dudes from the 80s and 90s that were around when I was young and now again like i'm the old dude mm-hmm. yeah That's... 20 20 years in <laughs> <laughs> well you i know you had faced off with jimmy jacobs before and uh-huh. he is someone who i mean he's very well known for his creativity in wrestling um yeah. the, with the 3d pro show coming up and we're going to talk about that i mean uh, Shane has been, you know, producing vignettes and promos and stuff like that. Do you ever like, I mean, your creative side has really shown through on that. So was there ever, you know, like, you know, taking notes from Jimmy or like kind of just picking his brain on stuff like that, you know, because I mean, you're a very creative fellow. So, I mean, fellow, um, a great, very creative guy. So, I mean, you know, I mean, like Jimmy's weird. I, I did a few tours with Jimmy and he's, I shouldn't say he's weird. That's one wrong way to start it off. He's like, <laughs> it's the weird mix of like the person he is on screen is definitely not the person he is off. Well, not off screen, but like he's not, he's not, not him. Let's mm-hmm. just say that, but he's super toned down, super quiet. It kind of awkward a little bit. Um, so no, I, I never really picked his brain because he was like a super quiet guy. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like laid back and, you know, just not very social. Mm, okay. But like not in a, not in a rude way. No, just, you know uh, what I mean? just a kind of a quiet himself. dude. Yeah. Yeah. But my, like my creativity, my creative side, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a right brain person. So I'm like, is that what it is when you're a creative person? Right brain? I don't know. Anyways, I digress. The, the right side of my brain is more functional, I think. So I'm more of a creative person. And, you know, working in radio, uh, podcasting, doing stand-up comedy, doing uh, wrestling, it's all just creative expression in a different way. Mm-hmm. And now, like, writing TV, this is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with – I'm, I'm – I know I'm going to sound very biased when I say this, but I mean, with the 3D Pro show coming up, May 26th, Osborne South Legion, I'm sure, you know, if there is still tickets available, check online, check the Twitter, all that. You could, I'm sure you could hit up any of the wrestlers who've been promoted, hit up myself, we'll get you tickets. But the build between your match 
with Robbie Royce has been fantastic. Uh, the promos have been great. Everything about it, I've loved. I'm very excited for your Winnipeg Bull Rope match. Thanks, man. That's kind of fun. Um, usually, that's what I get the most comments on is like promos. So that's kind of fun. I like I get off on that for some reason. Um, the the thing is, is like the the whole buildup behind it is true. Mm-hmm. Like I was there for the Carino match when I was a kid, and Carino was my hero. Mm-hmm. Like he was a Winnipeg-born ECW champion. Like in my mind, there was nothing cooler than that. Like you know, being 13 years old and ECW is still around, and it's like this is the coolest shit you can watch. Yeah, yeah. So like Steve Carino is my hero. He comes here and then he loses the belt to Royce. And I'm like, what kind of shit is this? I was like legit mad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what kind of shit is this? I remember being at the show by myself too. And I was like, kind of mad for like a few days mm-hmm. that I'd gone to see my favorite wrestler. And he like comes in as this regional champion and then loses the belt to Robbie Royce. And I was mad about it. And then it was two weeks after that was my first training session at CWF wrestling school. Mm-hmm. So 21 years ago, I got into the ring with Royce for three hours and trained with them. Now, you know, we're going to be in a bull roll match coming up in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So the story of like him, I said, he ruined my generation, which he didn't ruin my generation per se, but he, he and guys like him who are super athletic and talented ruined it for guys like me who are like punch kick wrestlers mm-hmm. you know what i mean like brawlers I don't, I don't do any cool moves or anything but i throw a damn good punch mm-hmm. and um when it came to guys like royce doing like all these cool moves and moonsaults and canadian destroyers and stuff it always made me kind of mad that i wasn't athletic enough to do that stuff so when i mentioned that he ruined the generation he did he 100% did for guys like me because nobody wanted to watch a guy like me. The only way that I got over, I'm not the only way, I was I was good in the ring, but the only way, because that's the strongest part of my game, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But so it was 21 years ago. And when we had this, when I, or when I was at this match, I, uh, I to get in, the ring for a singles match with Robbie Royce, you know, after the fact that he, he pissed me off mm-hmm. when, I'm, you know, when I wanted to see my favorite wrestler. No, I mean, the, uh, the storyline is perfect. The build has been fantastic and I'm excited for this. I, I'm sure there has been, you know, bull rope matches in Winnipeg, but uh, I can't remember any in the past little bit. So it should definitely be a fantastic cap off to a great night. I'm hoping so. And the fact that there's like a five pound cowbell tied onto the middle of the bull rope right now mm-hmm. is kind of making me a little nervous. But once I get in there, I'm sure I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you had mentioned, um, you know, radio hosting and also the uh the show that's going to be on aptn the uh yeah. streaming service yeah aptn uh, lumi yeah so what is it all about just for the people who might not be familiar with it so the the show on aptn lumi it's coming out later this year it's uh an indigenous language show 
it's interviewing elders and community members um, from a different language each episode. So there's like somebody who speaks Dene, somebody who speaks Michif, somebody who speaks uh, Nishinaabe, somebody who speaks Cree, somebody, you know, there's nine episodes. So there'll be nine language keepers that we interview, but the people at APTN wanted to make it fun, wanted to mm -hmm. make it like lighthearted. And so they wanted somebody kind of funny and they knew me from the radio. They knew me from doing a podcast for them and me just being kind of a humorous guy. They wanted somebody to come in and kind of like break it up and make it more fun and appealing and kind of not silly, but like just kind of break the tension a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause usually stories like that, um, new stories like that, where they talk about indigenous language, it's always very serious. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they wanted to do something serious, but like have broken up with like kind of comedy. So that's why yeah. a little bit yeah. more lighthearted because I mean, it, it's something, you know, definitely to, you know, bring out there and talk about, but to also, yeah. to, you know, be able to not have such a serious tone with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's when I'm, that's when I'm going to be taking care of is the, uh, the comedy side. When is that starting up? So it, I, originally it was supposed to start in the summer, but it got bumped back. So mm -hmm. I think it'll probably <clears throat> be fall time before it's out. Okay. Yeah. But it, it'll be out this year. Perfect. Um, one more for you, then I'll let you go and enjoy your Saturday evening. Uh, <laughs> norm, sure. Normally I like to ask um, favorite matches, okay. but I want to try something different. I want to ask your favorite match that you would recommend to a listener and why. Okay. And that's, you know, a favorite match that you've watched, not necessarily that you've been in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is there any parameters behind it? Like any particular promotion? No, whatever you want that you think that the listener should go and check out. Um, just off the top of my head, I'm, I'm because he's so hot right now is Cody Rhodes um against dustin Rhodes at the first uh, i think double or nothing yes where they wrestled each other and it's like famous picture now but of like dustin doing the you know the stone cold like pushing himself up and the blood's running down and it's you can just see like his mouth in agony so i would say that match go mm -hmm. watch that match if you can find it i don't know if aw can you can stream it anywhere or like online or anything but um go watch that one because it's the storyline's built in. Mm -hmm. They're brothers and, you know, they've never had the big fight and they want to have the big fight. It, you know, it's funny because like they had the feud in WWE where, you mm -hmm. know, gold dust, stardust sort of thing, but yeah. they never really capitalized on a blow off match. And, yeah. you know, AEW comes along, they put that match on, you know, double or nothing they blow it out of the park and it seems like it's a consistent thing where AEW is picking up like the ball where WWE dropped it on storylines on wrestlers and giving the fans like this is what you should have seen as a conclusion to everything yeah yeah absolutely I've noticed that a few times and that was that was the first one that they did I guess because mm -hmm. yeah that was like the first big pay-per-view but yeah the, like the storyline of two brothers who you know have fought before but they never had the big one like the big blow-off and they want to do it and they go out there and they beat the dog shit out of each other. Mm -hmm. It was so good. And there's blood everywhere. And like, it made me feel something like not only as a fan, because I still watch wrestling as a fan, mm -hmm. but like as a 
performer because I'm seeing dust and bleeding. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like I bled before, but nothing like that. And I'm thinking like the times that I have bled, there's a weird sensation sometimes when you just hit, you get dizzy because like you're losing blood, right? Mm -hmm. You get dizzy and it's kind of an uncomfortable feeling when you're trying to stay coordinated and do things in there and wrestle and, you know, hold someone's safety in your hands. Um, but I was concerned for him, like as a performer, I was like, dude, like he's going to black out or something legit because mm-hmm. he's losing a lot of blood. It's, you know, he's in his fifties and he's still going out there and keeping up, putting on great matches. And it's something you really love to see, you know, it's not yeah. like he's, tarnishing any of his past by like you know trotting out a guy out there who shouldn't be out there he's out there and he's delivering day in day out yeah he is one of my favorites of all time like first ballot hall of famer for sure yeah when he, when he retires like for sure mm-hmm. he's he's gonna, he's gonna be the first aw hall of famer without a doubt yeah yeah so um no for those listening where can they find you online or if you have anything you would like to plug go ahead um yeah just if you have me or if you have Facebook, I have Facebook. It's Stefan Richard, S-T-E-F-A-N, uh, at Stefan X Richard on Instagram. And I think that's it. I only have and, two. And tune in Go back and forth. weekday mornings to check you out on the radio, correct? Yeah, you can uh, tune in six to ten weekday mornings. I'm currently off right now, however, uh, but I'll be back to work sooner rather than later. Perfect. Stefan yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate this. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much to Stefan for joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. I appreciate him taking the time out to join me, talk about wrestling. And honestly, some of the stories were absolutely fantastic. I love talking to him, and I was so happy to be able to have him join me on the podcast. So thank you so much to him. Now, I teased it earlier, a little bit of a, a, a scoop on the uh, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, dealing with the uh, 3D Pro Show. So I'm going to get into that right after I run down all the information. So Thursday, May 26th, that's three days away. Maybe it's two days away, depending when you're listening to it. Maybe it's the night of. But May 26th at the Osborne South Legion, 3D Pro, 3D Pro Wrestling presents Can't Knock the Hustle. Now, the card is going to be as follows. In action, we're going to see Riley Jackson. Riley's going to be coming up from uh, Minnesota. He's been lighting it up down there, making a huge name for himself there. So he's going to be in action. We have the debuting, the sinister, the evil. I've only seen a little bit about this person, but I'm, I'm intrigued by just how diabolical this person can be debuting at the 3d pro show is Napoloni Diabel. All we've seen from him is the, the few posts that 3d pro have made. So I'm very interested to see what Napoloni is all about. So he's going to be in action. We have the Boston bruiser, Kevin O'Doyle one-on-one with sweet Bobby Shink. You have, and now here's the scoop. Red Hot Sammy Peppers is going to be facing off with a person of Vinko's choosing. I don't know who or what Vinko has lined up for Sammy Peppers, but 
but I'm very curious to find out. We have the zombie killer, Mentalo, accompanied by Vinko, facing off in a first-time-ever matchup, facing off with the humble one, Damon Spriggle. We have the bad boy, Anderson Tyson Moore, one-on-one with Kyle Pro. Kyle Pro coming up from Minnesota as well. Him, Spriggle, Riley Jackson, all coming to make a name for themselves up with 3D Pro. And we have, in a 3D three-way, the Canadian crusher, AJ Sanchez. He's going to be facing off with two mystery opponents. You'll have to be there to find out just who AJ Sanchez, the Canadian crusher, will be facing off with. And in the main event, a Winnipeg bull rope match. I don't know if there's ever been one in Winnipeg. This could be the first ever. You'll want to be a part of that. 21 years in the making this match. You heard all about it with Stefan. 21 years is a long time. We have Stefan Epic facing off with Robbie Royce. You know what? Words can't even describe the potential that this matchup has. Just what is going to happen. You will want to be there. You will want to be a part of history. The first ever 3D Pro Wrestling Show Thursday, May 26th. Grab your tickets and be there. Be a part of it. Let's have some fun. Now, like I had said earlier, thank you to Stefan. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me talk about wrestling. So thank you so much. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GrainmakerPod. Um, You know, let's talk some wrestling up there. It's where I'm most active. questions comments concerns you can send me an email grainmaker wrestling podcast at is it grainmaker wrestling podcast grainmaker podcast at gmail.com don't send one to grainmaker wrestling podcast you might not get a reply so grainmaker podcast at gmail.com upon facebook grainmaker wrestling podcast um all podcast platforms so apple spotify google you can uh, find me up on there and maybe share the podcast with someone you might think would enjoy it. So I would appreciate that. And t-shirts. Um, if you're outside Manitoba or if you're in the States, you can go to whatamaneuver.net, search Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, grab a shirt off of there. If you are in Canada and want a shirt, hit me up and uh, I will get a shirt to you. If you're outside Manitoba or outside Winnipeg, I will mail it out to you. Contact me for shipping details. If you're in Winnipeg, shoot me a message. And I will hand deliver the shirt to you. 25 bucks a pop. You can't go wrong for that price. It's a good looking shirt. You're going to look fashionable. You're going to support, you know, just a small time little podcast trying to make a, make a little imprint on the Canadian wrestling scene. So half of all profits is being donated to a local nonprofit, Ray Winnipeg. So just know that you grabbing a shirt is going to help out, you know, people in need. So grab a shirt support a a podcast, help out. We would all truly appreciate it. So I think that's all of the social media and stuff. Um, Yeah, so hopefully we will see you out Thursday, May 26th at the Osborne South Legion. It's going to be a great time. If not, we'll talk soon.